Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Are we ready for the word of God? Yes. Yeah. So the first point I'll make as we begin today's service is every child of God ought to serve the Lord. As long as you're a child of God, there has to be a level of service you have to God. Every child of God has to serve the Lord. Now, I believe, I believe this and I believe this strongly. There's a certain level of growth you never hit until you learn to serve. There's a certain level of growth you only get to have access to until you start serving. You understand, right? So, until you start serving, you haven't yet started growing. Responsibility is the mark of growth. It's a mark of growth. Once God is able to give you responsibilities, that's know that you are growing. If responsibilities have not yet started hitting you, know that you've not yet started growing. You haven't yet started growing. If God hasn't yet started giving you responsibilities, you haven't yet started growing. So one of the ways you know, even in life, one of the ways you know you're growing is, is when you begin to have certain responsibilities. There are certain things that no one will have to tell you that you have to do them. Now that you are grown, you know that you have to take responsibility. Right? Yes, yeah. There's no party to announce that now you are grown. You know? There's no party to announce that. Responsibility will just hit you. Some of you, some of, you of course, it, it begins earlier than, than others. Depends on where you come from. But generally... When you, are, when you begin to receive responsibilities, even in the home, there comes a time when you were a child and there comes a time when you have to watch over children. Right? Yeah. There comes a time when in your house, your parents will have to leave you with someone to watch, to watch over them because you can't leave them alone. Why? Because your parents are able to recognize that now you are responsible. They can go to town and leave you with your young brother or young sister. But if they can't trust you, they have to put the young sister on their back to go to the house you are still out. So, you have to take responsibility in the kingdom. There has to be that sense of responsibility. Has prayer become a responsibility for you? Has teaching the word of God become a responsibility for you? Has, has soul winning become a responsibility for you? Or does God have to motivate you? I usually say this, if, you have, if, if your giving in the house of God is tied to a particular blessing in your mind, then you're not yet grown. If we have to tell you for you to give, then, then, ah, then the devourer will be rebuked. They <laughs> say, okay, just come and say, ah, okay, well, I'm the devourer to be rebuked. Or, that's when, <laughs> or if your giving is tied to know, if you give, that's when you'll receive this blessing, that blessing. You haven't yet grown. No, you haven't. Just like there comes a point in your life. Some of you are still young. You haven't even reached that point yet. There comes a point in your life when you're giving to your parents. It's not because you want a parental blessing, but you have to take care of them. You have no choice. You have to, you have to give it. Like I said, some of you haven't gotten there. I think maybe only one or two in here. <laughs> it's responsibility. Right? Yeah. There comes a time it's not even fun to buy bread in the house. But you have to do it. It's not fun. You've got better things to do with your money. You don't even enjoy doing it. It's not fun to do it. All right, all of a you have to buy power in the house. You think you enjoy it. Yeah. Those of you who actually work, you even know it's not even fun to go to work with your money. You even have to use your, your gas money or your transport money to get on a bus for you to go to. It's not even fun. But then you know that now you are responsible over certain obligations. So you have to go there. Growth. So we know your level of growth by what responsibility God is able to trust you with. That's how we know your level of growth. By what responsibilities God is able to trust you with. Don't become a prayer warrior every time you are praying for it. God, set me ablaze. Set me ablaze. Why aren't you praying for souls? Why is God setting you ablaze every day? See, you, you've not yet grown. You can't be crying for fire every day. Monday fire, Tuesday fire, the fire, fire, Thursday fire. Saturday you're firing everything. It's fire. 
No, you, you haven't yet grown. There, has, there comes a time when your, your prayer points are, 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 are people's problems. Yeah, there in prayer, and you're praying for others. You've, you've lost consciousness of everything that's going on around you, but you're praying for others. It's growth. So, so every time we are, Lord, set me on fire. Today we are burning. Today we are, we are, the Holy Ghost is, uh, is... No, those are beautiful things. I'm not, I'm not talking against them. Don't get me wrong. All I'm saying is that that can't be, that, that can't be the only thing on your mind every time you're in prayer. No, it can't. As beautiful as those things are, those can't be the only thing that motivates you to pray. You can't pray if you don't put certain music to, to entice you. To take you to realms and deeper things. No, you haven't yet grown. Mm-hmm. No, you haven't. There was a the moment the Lord made me pray without music for about, for about a year straight. Tell me, put this aside, pray. No motivation. <laughs> you can't even sing along to anything. You have to just go. Over, just praying. So you have to grow. One, let's look at what, certain scripture in the Bible. Are you learning something? Yes, <laughs> so don't just fire everything, everything. Yeah, no, no, no. 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 I've said no. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Yeah. So you have to have a real prayer life. Where you're where you actually concerned about the things that, that concern God. Sometimes I laugh at, and I'll say this with all humility. Sometimes I laugh at people who pray that, Lord, Lord, give us nations. How can you pray for nations? Don't even pray for your own nation. You're irresponsible. Your own nation, you don't pray for it, but you're praying for nations. God has called us to the nations. Your own nation, where you're living, you don't even pray for it. All you know is just to criticize government and criticize your bosses, criticize everything else. No time. When was the last time you prayed even for the government you're criticizing? When was the last time you prayed even for the people that you keep talking against, your schools and everything? When was the last time you prayed for your school? Your very institution. Did you have ever prayed for it? That the people who come to this school, Lord, may they, may they receive salvation. If it's Unza, fresh has come. You're also joining fresh hour. hour. <laughs> you see, you're already releasing words in the atmosphere. Over, over. You're not even praying for them. Unza students know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. <laughs> you can't. You do you pray for the new entrance who actually come. There are people who go to school and that's their only encounter with God in that place. They miss it there, they're gone. Yeah. I know several got born again while in, while in university. First year, God preserved them. Right in first year, God preserved them. This one, you will not participate in funny things. Save. Because the things that go on in universities, you'll be surprised. Parents will never send their children to some of these schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter number three. First Corinthians chapter number three. Responsibility. Responsibility. Very, very important. Responsibility. First Corinthians chapter number three, verse nine. First Corinthians chapter number three, verse nine. Hmm. I love this scripture. So I think it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. First Corinthians chapter number three, verse nine. The Bible says, For we are God's fellow workers. Other verses say we're God's co-workers, right? Now, do you know who a co-worker is? Someone you work with. You work in the same environment. You have the same goal, same ambitions, same aspirations with regards to the place you're in. 
Now, for the Bible to say you're God's fellow worker, what does that mean? It means <laughs> we actually, like, God works with us to achieve certain things. God calls us his co-workers over certain projects. There is a time when we can ask God to use us. There's another time when God looks at you as a fellow worker. How many here have, have ever worked in an organization before or a company? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Organiz okay, you guys are sitting in, in your own group, eh? <laughs> nice. Raise your hands. Let's go this side. <laughs> ever worked in an organization? Oh, yeah. Wonderful. So this side, we're, we're good, eh? Students, eh? <laughs> young men, young women, they are the youths of this country. <laughs> Today is your day. <laughs> we celebrate you. <laughs> Praise God. So if you've ever worked in an organization or a company, you will realize that the more you work with people, the more you realize that the certain people you can depend on, others you can't. There are certain people who, when, if you have to step out and for, for them to cover, to cover for you, you know that someone will mess up if you just leave them. Maybe some of you can, maybe, maybe say group studies, eh? <laughs> Will that resonate better? Yes, <laughs> so, <laughs> let's say, yeah, okay, let's say group studies. There are certain people who, when you're in a group study, you don't have to put in much effort. Because you know who you're with, right? When I was in school, I, I, I knew who to be in a group with. Because I was, I was hardly in, sc in school as a student. I was one of those who was busy doing other things except school stuff. <laughs> so, it meant when they gave us a project, I had friends who covered for me in class to the point where I didn't have to take part in the project. I would just get free marks. Because mm -hmm. they know, ah, this one, this one is just, it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? The other ways I helped them as well, so don't worry about me. So, generally, when you are working with someone on a particular project, you regard to them as your co-worker in that project until the project is completed. Are we together? It means you have to have the same goals with that person in that period. If you're working on a project and they tell you this, this, this assignment is worth 10 marks, you're the three of you, it means you have to work to get the 10 marks. You can't have one person aiming for five. Another one, as long as I, or 4.5, as well, we're okay. You see, you have to have the same goals and ambitions in order for you to get the results you ought to get. Now, the question is, do you have the same aspirations as God? As his co-worker, as his fellow worker, do you actually have the same dreams as he has? Or you have your own? There are people who invite God in their dreams. They have not entered God's dreams. I'll say that again. There are people who invite God in their dreams. They, don't, they have not yet entered into God's dreams. In other words, you want God in your personal ambitions and everything personal. And this is, this is the mistake a lot of people make. A lot of people think God is like a genie. <laughs> Maybe let me not use that. It's okay. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go on. <laughs> God's fellow workers. And then it says, you are God's field. That's beautiful. And then it says, you are God's building. <laughs> God's fellow workers, God's field, and God's building. Now, when the Bible refers to you as God's field, it simply means Okay, maybe let me ask it this way. When the Bible talks about the believer there being God's field, is it a developed field or undeveloped? Let's ask it that way. <laughs> is it a developed field or undeveloped? Whatever the case is, the Bible refers to you as God's field. Right? If you are given a field, there is no person who's ever had a field that doesn't have a plan for it. Unless you just inherited it and you just didn't know. Or you just didn't have ambitions in certain areas. 
You know what I mean, right? When you acquire a field, and remember, because God didn't just get the field, he bought it. When you buy a field, you've got dreams for it. You've got ambitions for it, right? Now, the fact that God refers to you as his field, it means there are actually certain dreams he has over that field, which is your life. Are we together? So it means if there are certain developments that you want on a particular field, as, as someone, let's say, for example, you have a field, there are certain developments you have for it. Let's say you want to build a house there. You will know how to allocate the field according to your dream. Right? And the beauty is this. If let's say this, this, this field was plain and you wanted to build a, a tall building, let's say something that's what, like maybe 20 floors or 30 floors or somewhere there. Right? When you dig the foundations and do everything else, before, in fact, before you actually even dig the foundations and do everything else, you hire maybe a company, an architecture company, right? To do everything else for you, for you, right? All those things that need to be done. I'm not an architect, so I don't know what they actually they do. All those that they plan, right? Now, they'll create a plan for you on that field. And what they will do, of course, is that they will give it to you and they will tell you this is how the building will look like, right? And you will be able to see it. Now, when the architecture walks over to that building, as another person sees plain land, he's able to see a building where another person can't. Right? Yes. He can look and say, oh, there will be a parking spot here. <laughs> there will be a guardhouse here. There will be this here. The cafeteria will be here. It means he's able to see what another person is able to see. Are you following? Yes, and he's able to look at a particular area and determine how deep the foundation will have to go for them to actually raise the building to the point where they want it to go. Are you following? Yes, now, I want you to think about it in that context when it comes to God and your life. You are God's field. Now, when God looks at you, do you think your life is without a plan? Do you think you're, if you are God's field, do you think God can buy a field without a plan for it? So it means, and remember, the word of God is seed. Right? Generally, words are seeds. That's how, that's how they work. So it means, as God's field, there are certain things you should never allow in your life because of who you are. Imagine you buy a plain field and someone just comes. The field you want to build a building on. Someone comes. Amatawa. They just plant everything. <laughs> and they just, you know, they just, for them, they just want pumpkins and everything else on your field. What will you do? <laughs> you involve law enforcement agencies, right? You understand, right? So it means they are not using the they are not using the land according to your vision. So everything Satan plants in God's field is not supposed to be there. The question is, whatever has grown in you, who is it from? Everything that has grown in you, who is it from? Everything. If envy has grown in you, who is it from? Who planted that seed? Because there has to be a seed for someone to something to grow. There's no growth without seed first. Seed comes before growth. Are you following? Yes, yeah. And then it says you're God's building. It means everything God ever desired in a building is actually put in you. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. We're talking about responsibility. So, we labor with God as God's fellow workers. We don't labor alone. That means there is no... Remember I told you every child of God has to serve, right? There is no service you do to God that you do alone. If, and if you give service to God and do it alone, you've not rendered it to God. Because it takes, it takes God for you to serve God. 
It takes God for you to... You see, you can't dream about saving God on your own. I told you, human beings naturally are selfish. Human beings naturally just want things that just massage their ego. You understand, right? Things that... Everyone loves to be praised. There's no person here who can tell me they don't love to be praised. Everyone loves to be praised. In different ways, of course. But everyone loves to be praised. You understand, right? Yeah. So human beings are like that naturally. So when you have certain aspirations that are beyond the human nature, it means they'll either come from God or they come from the enemy. But for the believer, they come from God. It depends on what, what they are. Let me, say, let me put it like that. Someone can be having envy. This has come from God. <laughs> so, when you read, we labor with God as God's fellow workers. Number one, there are two ways I'll mention today how we labor with him. I was supposed to do a series, eh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go continue next week. <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, I write so many things that I think I just opened one randomly here. <laughs> Colossians chapter number. <laughs> Colossians chapter number. Chapter number. Chapter number four, verse twelve. Colossians chapter number. Chapter number four, verse twelve. Colossians chapter number 4, verse 12. Let's read it. One, two, three, go. Are we there? Are we there? Yes, Pastor. Some people are not yet there. Colossians chapter number 4, verse 12. Colossians 4, 12. One, two, three, go. If this was a good one, class would fail. <laughs> one, two, three, go. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's break it down. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you? That means he was a believer like the rest. This guy was not a man of God. Are you following? He wasn't an apostle. He was one of, one of the brethren. He says, a bond servant of Christ. I've talked about being a bond servant here, right? Yes. And I've explained. For those of you who don't know who a bond servant is, it's simply a servant who has been given free will, but has decided they don't want the free will themselves to be bound. Someone who is bound. And then tell them, let go. I've, I've set you free. But decide to go back. I don't like this freedom. Keep me in chains. <laughs> so when he says a born servant of Christ, it simply means Christ has given you a free will to do everything you want, but you decided to subject yourself to his will. Yeah? You understand, right? You can do anything you want. Remember, the apostle Paul said everything is permissible. <laughs> Not everything is beneficial. So you can do everything you want. But you decide, so look, in everything I can do, I decide to do what you want. That's an amazing relationship with God. Like, uh, can I tell you something? I love, I love, you know, sometimes, sometimes I envy other believers so much because there are certain believers who are able to take up any job they want. And can I tell you something? <laughs> Sometimes what that shows is simply that they have not yet learned to hear from God and to be in responsibility with God. If you can take up any job that comes away as long as it gives you money. Anyway. Nah, story for another day. And then he says. A born servant of Christ greets you. And then he says, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Have you seen what? The Bible calls prayer labor. <laughs> you know what that means? 
when you're laboring, are you enjoying what you're doing? <laughs> that means there comes a point when prayer becomes, it becomes a responsibility. You see, one of the things you do as a believer is that you have to learn to labor in prayer. That's one of the ways God works with us as fellow workers. Through prayer. There comes a point when, it's, you see, there are days when, when, when your body wants to sleep, but you, you choose to labor with God. There are days when your body wants to do all this, but you choose to labor with God. If you're able to do everything and anything you want, you're not yet grown. I'll pray tomorrow. We know your child. <laughs> now we know your child. And I'm talking, and if I'm talking to you, I'm talking to your child now. <laughs> I'll just pray tomorrow. <laughs> And the others, who, who, when they're writing exams, they even put their prayer life on hold. Yeah. I was studying. And can I tell you something about, I was talking to someone about, about the culture of fasting. You know what I was telling them? I was telling them to say, when, once you start fasting, it's hard to stop, unless you just don't love it. Once you stop fasting, it's hard to start. If you stop fasting, if in here, if you haven't been fasting, tell you to start. 12 hours. You just be there, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you stop fasting, it's hard to start. The same thing, the same thing with prayer. Once you stop praying, it's hard to start. It's very hard to start. So don't stop. Doesn't, doesn't matter how busy you are. If you're not if, if you're not too busy to eat, you're not too busy to pray. He says laboring in prayer. Fervent, not just laboring, fervently. That means we don't just pray casually. There was labor, it was fervent. Not today until you pray. Intercession, even raise your hands. No fervency whatsoever. We can't even we can't even tell that you actually as in we can't we have to go close to your child. Oh, this one can even pray in tongues. <laughs> see, you're whispering, like you see, there's on the day of Pentecost when they received the Spirit of God, they prayed so hard that, that other people outside heard them and thought they were drunk. What man do you think it was a quiet prayer session? No, where do you have to shout when praying? You see, you can't pray so asking that question. If you if you could pray, you couldn't you, you can't ask such question. Was it necessary? <laughs> That's how you know someone has no prayer life. <laughs> Laboring fervently, fervently. You labor fervently in prayer. Prayer becomes labor, it becomes work. You are working. You go with God. Today, Lord, we are laboring for this one. We are praying for my school, Lord. Today, we are laboring over Unza. We are laboring over Eden University. We are laboring over Nipa. We are laboring over, over Evelyn Horn. We are laboring over this nation. We are laboring. See, it becomes labor now. You work together with God. It means, you see, there they can't be answers without prayers. It means for there to be answers, there has to be prayers first. So for God to answer the prayer of Eden University, someone has to pray. It means it becomes labor. You've complained about your family for so long. Have you labored? No, have you labored in prayer? You've complained so much about everything else. Have you labored in prayer? Have you spent time to actually labor? About, you see, there are some of you who even complain about the behavior of your siblings. That one keeps drinking. When was the last time you labored in prayer for them? For you to complain about their alcoholic behavior, when was the last time you, you labored in prayer for them? In my family, I'm the only one who is born again. Then you're not praying. No, you're not. No, you're not praying. You're not praying. You have to learn to labor in prayer. And can I tell you something? It's not always enjoyable. No, it's not. There are times when, there are times, you, you see, you have to go hard. Like, <laughs> there are times you have to, you, it, it becomes, it can become uncomfortable.
I just remember something. There was a time I remember we went, I went for evangelism. <laughs> and um, in my evangelism with my colleagues, we were going boarding house to boarding house. So we knocked at this boarding house and there was this couple. And you know these boarding house couples? We led them in prayer. <laughs> Whatever they wanted to do, we led them in prayer. <laughs> we entered. Could even tell the guy was just feeling, ah, what are you doing here? We, we, hold, we hold hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, gave them a church flyer, got his number. When we left, we called him to invite him to church again. <laughs> we will not give you peace. <laughs> no, we will not. <laughs> No, we will not. Until you learn to labor for souls, you will not have souls. No, you will not have them. You can't have souls if you don't labor for in prayer. For. You win souls in prayer before you win them with, with, with preaching. Because until you prevail with God, you can't prevail with men. Those of you, some of you can't even understand what I'm talking about because you are the, you are the source we need to win. You are, the, you, are, you are the one we've been laboring for. I don't know why you're laughing. You are the one we've been laboring for. <laughs> Labor in prayer. We, see, if God is your fellow worker, how you, you must engage him in prayer. The Bible says something. Um, in in the book of uh, in the book of Romans Romans chapter number 8 we, we all know this scripture, I've read it before Romans 8 Romans 8 verse 26 Romans 8 verse 26 Romans 8 verse 26 are you being blessed? yes Romans chapter number 8, verse 26. Let's rush. Turn there, turn there fast. Romans 8, 26. The Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The Spirit also helps. Now, let me explain a little, a little something here. There's a difference between a weakness and a bondage. Are we together? Yes. There's a difference between a weakness and a bondage. You can't have girls as a weakness as a young man. That's a bondage. They're a weakness here. So that's what the Bible is telling you there. No, my weakness is just alcohol. I just, I just crave. No, that's not weakness. That's, you're, you're bound. You, you, you need to be set free. Weaknesses refer to limitation. Not these addictions people are having a, a, up and about. I just have a weakness. I can't help it. I have a weakness. It's a weakness, Pastor. Maybe we need to cast out something. <laughs> so some things people call weaknesses are just bondage. They're bound. And they need to be set free from it. So the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. It says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. In other words, we are going in prayer. We don't, we don't know exactly what we should pray for. <laughs> and then he says, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Ha. I don't know if you understand what, the, what, the, what that means. What I'm teaching about laboring with God even in prayer, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. It means the Spirit himself. You see, this is a year of the Spirit. Say you of the Spirit for us. And the Bible is telling you there that the Spirit makes intercession for you. (sighs) You don't know what you should pray for, but the Spirit will make intercession. Do you know how the Holy Ghost makes intercession? He makes intercession through you. It's not possible for the Holy Spirit to make intercession without you involved. Let me say that again. For there, for intercession to take place with the Holy Ghost, there has to be someone laboring in prayer first. 
And then he says, with groanings which can't be uttered. In other words, these are words you can, you see, you, you, there are no syllables that you can describe them for. You understand? Like, they, have you ever heard someone groaning in prayer? <laughs> there are times in prayer when you, you, you are praying so much that it shifts from tongues to words that you can't even, you don't even know what you're talking about. If you can't relate, you have to say praying. Amen. 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 He makes intercession. That what, what the Holy Spirit does is this. Maybe come, Sam. Which you come as well. Stand this side. Behind the puppet. One other side down on the other side. <clears throat> so these two in front. Sam and Muche. Or Dikonas as you go. <laughs> so imagine he's praying for Muche. And let's say Muche is going through something. Alright? We will try to, to imagine, they want to say anything because you might end up. Uh, so she's going through something. You understand, right? Yes. Now, as he's praying, let's say the two are friends or relatives or whatever, or maybe even just the church mates. He's praying and he's consciously praying for her. Now, he doesn't know exactly what Mwich is going through. Right? But the person who knows is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is dwelling in him. What happens is, now, it's different from God can tell him that maybe Mwich is going through this, pray for her. But then, it's not all the time that the Lord will reveal that to you. What will happen when he's praying is, assuming, let's say, he's speaking in other tongues, there will come a point when he's, when he's, as he's praying for her, the Holy Spirit will decide, look, this man doesn't know exactly what she's going through. Let me help him as he's laboring. The Holy Spirit will step in now. Guess what he will do? The Holy Spirit will form words in his spirit and he will begin to release them. I don't know if you understand that. He will begin to release those words. As he's releasing those words, he doesn't know what he's praying for, but the Holy Spirit has picked the right words and put in his mouth. And guess what? The prayer that he's praying is going straight to God and praying, addressing which is issues. And what will happen in that moment is, which may not know when the answer will come or how it will come, all of a sudden it will come. The Holy Spirit is the one that chose the way. He didn't even choose them. He could have just said, oh, Deaconess, I was praying for you. Maybe he didn't know. She could have just, could have just said, thank you for praying for me. She knows what she's going through. You understand, right? Yes. And sometimes, let's say, let me give an example. Let's reverse. Let's say it's Mwicha who is praying. And he's praying for some there. Or she's praying for some there. And as she's praying, maybe let's say, Something was about to happen to him. Not something, maybe not something worse, but even something that could have even just inconvenienced him. She may not know what will happen in the next two weeks. But guess what? The Spirit of God does. What he will do is that he will put words in her mouth. She may not realize it. And that's why sometimes there are certain people, you, they will go in prayer and they will just be uttering. They can't think they, they're like, today I spoke strange tongues. They were not strange tongues. The Holy Ghost was, 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 he was groaning through you. Words that can be uttered. Groaning. They can't be, in other words, you can't pick words. You can't even try to spell them out. There are times where you're just screaming. You don't know why you're screaming. Why am I screaming this way? You want to stop, but you can't stop. That's the Holy Spirit praying through you in that moment. He, groanings that can be uttered. There, there are others, the same groanings. There will be someone who just been praying and they'll just be crying. Tears. They don't even know what's going on. Nothing is happening around them, but tears are just in their eyes. They, groaning. They can't be uttered. The Spirit of God is expressing his emotions through you now in that moment. You're out of prayer, and now you, you don't even realize what happened. But when you're out, you oh, today we labored with God. Give them a hand. Yeah. 
So it means the Holy Spirit actually labors with us in prayer. He becomes your partner. And that's why any person who has a boring prayer life hasn't yet learned to labor with the Holy Spirit. Because when you learn to labor with the Holy Spirit, you can't be bored in prayer. No, you can't. And the Bible says something very important. I must rush. In, in Colossians, let's go back to Colossians chapter number 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, verse 2. Colossians chapter number 4, verse 2. The Bible says, continue earnestly in prayer. Have you seen that? It says, continue. The Bible is telling you to continue. You see, it's one thing to start, another thing to continue. Hmm. The Bible is telling you to continue. Don't stop. It says, continue. Earnestly continue. Because it is in prayer that you get to partner with God. It is in prayer that you actually get to, 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 you actually get to labor with God in prayer. How will God work with a man who doesn't pray? No, how will God work with a young lady with no prayer life? As much as you want to look pretty, have a prayer life. Amen, young ladies. Amen. <laughs> Say it loud. Amen, young ladies. Amen. <laughs> I can see some gentlemen saying amen. But <laughs> it's not enough to just be cute. Have a prayer life. No, you must labor with God in prayer. You must. It's very important. The second way we labor with God is, is through soul winning. Very key component. Soul winning. <clears throat> soul winning. Hmm. Soul winning. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Galatians chapter number 4 verse 19. Galatians 4 19. Galatians 4.19. Galatians chapter number 4 verse 19. So prayer. You must pray. You must be in prayer as a believer. You must, you must labor with God in prayer. You must make a conscious decision that we are laboring with God in prayer. Galatians 4.19. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? It says, my literature says, for whom I labor. <laughs> That's work again. I labor in birth again. That means he labored once. And he's doing it again. This talk about soul travel, winning souls in prayer. He says, until Christ is formed in you. Have you, you see, there's a brother or a sister, you know he's backsliding. Have you labored that your Christ is formed in them? That means you don't stop. You don't say, because I labored one. No, I already prayed for them. Just don't listen. Have you labored again and again? <laughs> no, have you prayed again? Because Paul prayed for them more than once there. Right? Yeah. A brother is going, is going astray. Yeah, even there. Hey, we even knew. The brother. Hmm. We knew. They, they, they were two on fire. <laughs> have you labored for them in prayer? Have you labored for have you have you prayed for that brother, that, that sister who is going astray? That brother, that sister who is who is who is missing it and is not living right with God. You know there's a brother who is living right. Why are you gossiping with your roommate? Why are you telling your, 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 your fellow brethren, ah, brother Sam? <laughs> Why should you tell the whole world about, have you labored for them in prayer? Have you labored for him, for her in prayer? Have you done that? So before you talk about, about this one with that, with that other one, labor for them in prayer first. How together? Yeah, labor for them in prayer. Labor for them in prayer. Don't rejoice when a brother or a sister is backsliding. Any believer who rejoices at someone backsliding, that's not his partnering with, with Satan. Ah, they're in partnership <laughs> with the enemy. They are in part, they are together because they, they, they're not doing the same work. Because only the enemy rejoices at someone backsliding. 
No believer will rejoice that someone has backslidden. So, labor with God through soul winning. Go in prayer and win souls and then go out and preach the gospel. When was the last time you preached, some, to, to, you preached Jesus to someone? Those of you in, in schools, are you able to, go to, to carry your Bible and go boarding house to boarding house to go preach the gospel? Or are you just too lazy? You don't want to be seen as too spiritual. <laughs> as in, you can't, even, you can't even carry a Bible on campus. They will, they will nickname you my Busa. And you are afraid of that title. <laughs> Just don't want it. <laughs> no, we have, to, we, we have to get to the place where we, are comfort, where we are comfortable to being identified as believers. Where we are comfortable to carrying Bibles and preaching the gospel to everyone. Walk up to a group of people and preach, the, preach Jesus to them. Your own roommate has never heard about, about the Lord Jesus. From you, rather. Ah, they came, they preached. This one was even mocking them. Sorry, I'm not preaching to them. When was the last time you, when was the last time you won a soul? You actually genuinely won a soul to God. When was the last time? Can I tell you something? You may say you don't know how to do it, but how did you get saved? The same message that works for you can work for another person. If all you know is John 3.16, go with John 3.16 to them. Teach them until they get born again. If that's your conviction, minister to them. A week should not go without you ministering to someone. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. You just can't be posting about Manu the whole week. <laughs> That's all we know you for. We know your team, we know your favorite player, we just don't know if you believe in Christ. <laughs> we even know your favorite K-drama or anime. We know who you for. But we can't tell. No. Win souls, partner with God, labor with God. You see, the world is this world as we are here. It's, it, it can be concluded in just one in just one sentence. It's a battle for souls. Yeah, God wants souls. The enemy wants souls. Satan is Satan is destroying young people. I think that's not even a secret. How many young people are donkeys now? It's amazing. Sometimes you find a nine-year-old and you'll be like, ish, say too early. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. It's sad. Like you, you look at young ladies, young men, early age, and you can even tell this one, mm -mm, this one has to be saved. The agenda for homosexuality, how, how much money is it sitting pumping in? <laughs> you'll be amazed. Every movie now has a homosexual couple. When you watch these things. They will put millions, billions of dollars just to push the agenda out there. Yet we go for partnership, just five quarters is the problem. That means believers can't even do anything. Satan is just doing whatever he wants. Believers are not doing much. Go out to win souls, you don't want to listen. And, 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 and I'll tell you this. The world now has become digital, sorted globally, of course, but like almost everything is online. And nations like Zambia are being influenced by everything that's happening online, if we're being realistic. Right? They are saying, just, just yesterday, I saw a, a marriage, um, I, saw it, I saw it online. I saw a marriage, I don't know, that's a, that was a marriage ceremony, but they were doing it the way they do it in Nigeria. And this is Zambia. I was in shock. Mm -hmm. Now, where did they learn it from? Clearly not from a Zambian culture or from their parents. They saw it somewhere and they're implementing it. They thought it was cool, right? And you know the, the thing about, about, about these things? Everything else is cool except from your own culture. That's the funny thing about life. 
everything else looks fun and acceptable, except from what, what you have. That's the amazing thing about it. You look at what's going on. TikTok videos are influencing what people are doing. Dancers are being pushed to TikTok. Now people are being dancing, are dancing anyhow, even in church. The same dancers you see on TikTok, they are there just dancing them right in the house of God. When they see a beat that just, uh, this one, I can do that can dance, they will introduce it to the whole church. <laughs> so it means the whole world is being influenced by all these things going on. Now, I'm not saying everything is wrong. I'm just giving an example of how little the gospel is spreading through the online means that we have and through other means that we can. If we're going to labor with God through in, in soul winning, we have to be very deliberate about it. If you're not deliberate about soul winning, you will never win a soul. Very, it's not often that someone walk to you and tell you they want to give their life to Christ. You, when you give your life to Christ, did, someone, did you walk to someone and say, help me? Chances are that it didn't happen like that, right? Someone had to come to you and minister the gospel. And you receive Jesus, now you are born again. You must do the same for others as well. Are we together? Don't allow, don't allow Satan to have them. Don't allow it. Why are 10-year-olds having suicidal thoughts? At 10, what are they suffering from? It tells you Satan is at, is, at, is, is at work. You understand? Yeah. So don't be casual about winning souls. We call for evangelism. Participate. Go all out. Don't just be there, just seated. Just, we call for evangelism. You're just at your boarding house. That's the day you decide to wash. It's the most convenient time for you to wash. Ah. Hmm. Let's be on our feet. <laughs> Raise your hands, please. Raise your hands. And close your eyes. Pray that, ask the Lord, Lord, give me grace to labor in prayer and give me grace to labor in soul winning. Pray.